Welcome to Fast Company Digest, essential stories from tech, design, impact, and work life, narrated by Noah App. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor and host of the New Way We Work podcast, Kathleen Davis. Here are this week's stories. First, contributor Ursula Mead details five workplace trends for 2024 in recruitment, pay, remote work, well-being, and more. Narrated by Noah. Listen to more of the world's best journalism on the NOAA app or at newsoveraudio.com. For NOAA, this is Jane Wing, reading from Fast Company, where on the 11th of December 2023, Ursula Mead writes, Five new workplace trends you must know heading into 2024. It's been a challenging year for many where diversity, equity and inclusion, DEI, initiatives are concerned. I would know I'm the CEO of In Her Sight, the world's largest company reviews platform for women. Leveraging our unique data set and our audience of active job seekers, we partner with employers on their branding and hiring goals as they relate to women in the workforce. Throughout the year, we've watched progress from early DEI industry leaders, ahem, tech, slip, as a tough economic environment has rattled many companies and caused thousands of layoffs. Meanwhile, in other industries, we've seen DEI gains, health, construction and transportation to name a few. Like I said, it's been a tough year for many, but not all. That's important. Still, as data is what we do at In Her Sight, there are also a number of workplace trends we expect to influence 2024's outlook for recruitment, particularly around attracting and supporting underrepresented demographics. In the past year, we've tapped our audience to weigh in on a number of topics, the state of DEI and well-being, the economy, what women need to thrive. Based on our findings, these are our top five new DEI and workplace stats you must know heading into 2024. The first is, companies shift away from support. Just one in four women report an increase in commitment or investment by their employer in DEI in the past six months. Notably, 22% of women also say they have felt a decline in their employer's support for them personally in the past six months. When companies' priorities shift away from supporting women and underrepresented talent, they notice. As companies reduce DEI teams and investment, women employees report having to carry more of the burden of DEI work – leading to higher dissatisfaction among the very talent those companies are trying to support. Second is well-being washing. Just one in three women feel their employer is delivering on their well-being promises and or benefits. In the aftermath of the pandemic, companies are increasingly vocal about their commitment to employee well-being, but promise does not always equal action. This gap has been termed well-being washing, where companies excel in the art of public image, but overall fall short on supporting the unique needs of employees. Surface-level support equals more or continued burnout and low employee engagement. For a meaningful shift towards employee well-being, cosmetic changes won't suffice. Companies must initiate deep, transformative 
and authentic shifts championed by their leaders. The third key stat is remote work being a priority. 83% of women who have been working remotely since or any time after the pandemic began want to continue to work remotely. 69% of those women want to be full-time remote, while 20% are interested in a combination of remote and in-person work. The future of remote work is still a complicated and sensitive issue that companies committed to DEI need to handle with extreme consideration. Employers, employees and job seekers alike are frustrated with the lack of a clear path forward. Here's what we know from the work we do at In Her Sight. Companies in competitive industries that make rash decisions like requiring full-time in-person work when hybrid or remote could be feasible risk endangering their DEI goals in an environment where it's already difficult to retain senior and executive-level women due to poaching from other organisations. Companies that support hybrid and remote work also need to start monitoring and measuring the effects of location on the career trajectories of the employees who choose to use those benefits versus those who work in the office and get a lot of face time. We're seeing early signs of a negative impact on promotions, advancement, representation in management and executive ranks because of a gender divide in location preference. That said, transparent, open and empathetic communication is what makes all of this, return to office, remote forever, whatever you decide, easier to digest. Remember, employees are people with lives and stresses, and that being honest about why next steps are confusing invites a dialogue everyone can participate in. Fourth is pay being a high priority. According to Site data from the past six months, salary satisfaction, one of the 17 metrics we measure as workplace must-haves for women, is one of the top three most important factors to women job seekers. This comes as pay equity data is becoming more available and the macroeconomic market conditions, such as high inflation, are elevating the need for fair and increased pay. You can stay relevant by sharing your flexibility and remote benefits and compensation practices in your job descriptions and regularly with your employees. Interestingly, when recruiting or retaining senior and executive-level women, while salary is a top priority, women say other factors influence their ability to advance. The ability to mitigate burnout, the ability to think strategically, the ability to build and leverage their network. Heading into 2024, beefing up your employer branding around mentorship, mental health and overall connectivity could meet these needs and support a more gender-equitable leadership pipeline. The fifth and final trend is a dissatisfaction with addressing racial equity. 37% of senior and executive-level women are satisfied with their company's efforts to address racial equity since the 2020 Black Lives Matter movement. The Black Lives Matter movement took place two and a half years ago, and we're still watching its effects in real time. In the years following, employees have become increasingly dissatisfied with their employers' efforts to support racial diversity. 
Many feel that the responses have been superficial, lacking genuine commitment to effect lasting change. Employees want concrete actions, such as inclusive hiring, unbiased career advancement, and open conversations about race. They expect acknowledgement and rectification of historical disparities, along with investment in cultural sensitivity training. Authentic and sustained efforts are required to create a diverse, equitable, and inclusive work environment, as failure to address these concerns may lead to a loss of trust and loyalty from the workforce. You were listening to Fast Company, where Ashla Mead writes Five New Workplace Trends You Must Know Heading into 2024. This article was published on the 11th of December 2023 and was read by Jane Wing for Noah. And next, fast fashion maker Xi'an has grown at lightning speed with over $22 billion in revenue last year. The company announced its IPO just days before the COP28 climate conference, where activists are calling for regulation of the fashion industry's environmental impact. Maxine Bidet explores what it will take for the world leaders to change the fashion industry. For Noah, this is Adrian Walker reading from Fast Company. We're on the 11th of December, 2023. Maxine Beto writes, Sheehan's IPO and COP28, the perfect encapsulation of our climate failures. World leaders are currently meeting at COP28 to see if there is the political will and leadership to address the climate crisis. While they gather in Dubai to consider the drastic loss of habitat for animals and plants, the displacement of billions of people, the potential for food system collapse, and other forms of destruction that await if we do not immediately and drastically reduce global greenhouse emissions, another hive of activity is unfolding. The IPO of Xi'an, one of the largest growing wasteful companies. Xi'an is one of the world's fastest growing startups. It came to the U.S. just a few years ago, but already is reported to have captured more than three-quarters of the ultra-fast fashion market there. Xi'an's revenues in 2022 were $22.7 billion, and it is targeting annual revenues of $58.5 billion in 2025. Xi'an is building its empire off of throwaway clothing, designed to be worn only once or twice. Don't know about it? Ask your teenage relative or head to TikTok or Instagram. According to research firm Moffat Nathanson, Xi'an and its competitor Timu provided nearly a third of Meta's revenue growth from January to September, or almost $3 billion. When we think of climate change, we typically worry about the greenhouse gas emissions coming from transport, electricity, food, or heavy industry like cement. But the pants you're wearing may very well be made from fossil fuel-derived plastic, and the fabric was almost certainly made in a carbon-intensive process that relied on coal-fired boilers. The fashion industry is responsible for anywhere from 2 to over 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions. On the lower end, that is comparable to aviation, 2.8%. On the higher end, it is more than steel or cement, both 8%. Xi'an is a growing carbon bomb. If its greenhouse gas intensity stays on the same growth trajectory, its 2025 emissions will surpass those of British Airways in 2019. Xi'an is dominating the market by introducing thousands of new styles, 
not annually like its competitor fast fashion players, but daily. Without an intervention, according to McKinsey, the fashion industry as a whole is set to take up over 25% of the world's greenhouse gas budget by 2050. And these figures were derived before the growth of Xi'an. In the midst of global climate and biodiversity crises, the planet does not need another $2 t-shirt. While Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and Morgan Stanley launched the roadshow to sell Xi'an to the market, another group is coming together to try to stop the industry's growing emissions crisis through regulation in the name of the Fashion Act. That effort is gaining significant momentum in the state of New York and is set to be introduced in Washington and Massachusetts. The coalition that is coming together around the legislation includes traditional environmental organizations, among them NRDC, Sierra Club, Earth Day, Mighty Earthy, and New Standard Institute, the organization I run, fashion advocacy groups, local environmental organizations, and others like Leonardo DiCaprio, Rosario Dawson, and Jane Fonda. But it is not just activists that are coming out in support. The industry itself, particularly the forward-looking brands that would be required to comply with the legislation, such as Stella McCartney, Patagonia, Eileen Fisher, Cotopaxi, Ghani, Reformation, and Everlane, are all on board to advocate for the bill. They are joined by innovation companies that will play a central part in a green transformation in the sector, such as Vestair Collective, a large resale platform, and Eon, a digital ID company. Using California's fuel efficiency standards as a model, the Fashion Act would require clothing and footwear brands with global revenue over $100 million that sell into the state, regardless of where they are headquartered, to assess, report, and improve their environmental and labor impacts in their supply chain or face a potential penalty of 2% of global revenue. This includes, in a global first for any industry, requiring fashion brands to set and achieve Paris Agreement-aligned carbon reductions throughout their supply chain. This will require companies to invest in both decarbonizing their existing supply chains. For those businesses that have relied on throwaway fashion like Shein, they will have to reconsider their business model, including investing in circular solutions and moving to longer-lasting, in both quality and style, clothing systems. While Shein is the nadir of the race to the bottom of the industry, the Fashion Act would set a legal floor for the industry's environmental and labor impact. Fashion is a ripe industry for this kind of legislation. It is virtually unregulated. It has many resources at its disposal. Just take a look at the Forbes billionaire list and note just how many of them derive their wealth in whole or in part from fashion. And unlike, say, the airline industry, the climate solutions are known and readily implementable. We are at a global inflection point. Are state and world leaders going to look at the data and rise to the occasion to set common-sense rules to allow business to thrive within planetary boundaries? Or will we have a few richer people, a closet full of regret, and the destruction of our delicate global ecosystem? That is the choice of our time. You are listening to Fast Company, where Maxine Beta writes, Sheehan's IPO and COP28, the perfect encapsulation of our climate failures. This article was published on the 11th of December, 2023, and was read by Adrian Walker for NOAA.